Where is InsureTech headed next? This is where indie agents own the answer. Welcome to the Vertifor Insurance Podcast. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of the Vertifor Insurance Podcast. I am super excited to introduce a very special guest, somebody that I've actually had the pleasure of working alongside. Uh, this was before I came to Vertifor. I got to watch her build Go Giles Consulting, which we'll hear more about in just a little bit. And she's recently launched a new venture called Iris InsureTech. Uh, Margot Giles, the um, CEO of Go Giles Consulting and <laughs> CEO founder of Iris InsureTech, welcome to the Vertifor Insurance Podcast. It's so good to see you again, Sid. Always. Honestly, Always. very excited to come on the show. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm I'm honored that you were able to carve out a few minutes because I know you're at a conference and somehow you found this yeah. fantastic background, which honestly looks like it was made for you. I'm not going to lie. I know. <laughs> I'm going to steal this chair. Right. That oh, that's not your chair. <laughs> no, it looks like Coming it should be me. like a game, like an insure yeah. tech Game of Thrones chair, shouldn't it? It's like the red totally. power color. Like totally. I'm, if you guys want to nominate me as queen, I will sit on the iron throne. Okay. Like, you, you know what? We do Let's need do a queen of insure tech. I feel like it could be Margo. It could be Margo. It could be. All she needs is a fiddle and a guitar. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you guys who can't see the quote, there is a fiddle and a guitar mentioned. So, (laughs) yes. Um, Okay, so Margo, tell me a little bit about, let's go back to the beginning. Uh, let, let's oh my go. God! Which beginning? Well, There's so many. Okay. All right. <laughs> awesome. um, let me let me let me narrow that down a little bit more. Tell me how you got into insurance. Okay. So insurance um, stumbled into it because no one grows up and is like, I can't wait to be an insurance agent. Um, <laughs> I stumbled true. into it. Like, this is true. Very true. Even though I was it's born like in story, I, I was born into insurance, but I definitely don't think I. This guy too. Yeah, I don't know that I came out saying yeah. like I can't wait. No. No. I tried okay. to get away from it. When's as much it my as turn? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so stumbled turn. in. How did you stumble <laughs> in? Stumbled in. So I would, um, I had a, a, a company when I was uh, like 19. So I started a company early on in my career and okay. um, had an exit when I was about 21 to Anheuser Busch. And it was a um, like a pre Uber Uber situation. Um, and so at the time, this was, I mean, I'm not going to date myself, but it was a long time ago. I'm not 19. Um, so there was no concept of like ride share or gig economy. There certainly wasn't insurance that surrounded that. So um, part of my job was to secure, you know, insurance for some, for, for the company. Um, and so I kind of got into it and got really interested in risk mitigation and like how that, how that worked out. Um, because we were uh, doing drunk driving prevention, mm-hmm. when I went to the restaurants and bars that we were working with, mm-hmm. a lot of my, mm-hmm. my talking points were around risk mitigation, like not leaving vehicles in the parking lot, not letting people drive home intoxicated from their bar. So it made sense that after that, I, you know, I took a year off and went to New York City and did, did what Why a 21-year-old does after an exit. <laughs> Why not? Lived my best life. Nice. Um, but then, yeah. When, we'll leave that one off the podcast now, but <laughs> then when I got back, it, <laughs> that's a whole another podcast. Um, but when I got back, it was um, kind of a natural, you know, segue into, okay, well, I, I have all these connections and I've been talking about risk mitigation. Let's, let's become an, an independent agent. So yeah. I really started learning um, straight in the independent channel. 
um, kind of went straight into the commercial lines, which, um, you know, a lot of people do their entry in personal lines and then they kind of work up to commercial. And mm -hmm. because of my background, I went straight into that. And then, you know, just grew a book. I met my husband. Um, we ended up buying the agency that um, we were working for and wow. uh, just started to grow over time. And obviously when I got into the um, operations role, one of the very first things I was looking at in commercial insurance, you know, this was 15, 16 years ago, why do I have, you know, triple copy carbon paper? Why am, why are we scanning <laughs> handwritten documents, right? And e-faxing them over to the carrier. Um, so really delved into how we could like streamline tech and start looking at automation mm -hmm. and just went out into the market and, and really just delved right into the insure tech side. So that, I think mm -hmm. that's kind of the early progression into how we got sort of sidetracked into insure tech. Mm. Okay. So how did you get, Tell me about that tech journey, right? Where, where did you yeah, start? Yeah, the tech journey was is, wild. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so talk to me about yeah. that. Where did you, because you, I'm assuming you started with an agency management system. We did. Okay, and at the we time. We actually was it. That was it. Wait, did you yeah. sell the agency? There was no CRT. Or do you still have the agency? We, we, we are still partial owner of the agency, but it's okay. under a private equity firm now. So okay. we've got, um, I don't know, if about 16 or 17 now under that private equity umbrella. And yeah. my husband is actually still the CEO of that vertical so he we're still like i'm always still one foot in insurance um that's really cool because actually. i'm in awesome. yeah i'm in software but um everybody there thinks i'm an it specialist so they're like my computer isn't starting can you help me fix the printer and i'm like I, okay not me <laughs> right you're the uh, yeah. the genius I'm lab like the, for your insurance agency or the genius so, yeah. bar or whatever i think called. that's really cool that you're still in the industry though absolutely very uh, much yeah. yeah and i still write policies from time to time and you know still answer questions you know for some clients so um i'm never far removed from the insurance space which i think really is segued in a lot to to go giles and why that was so successful but um really i, I we started with an ams like everyone else at that time there was no crm um mm -hmm. it was just like my we had great um sales reps and everything about their clients lived in their brain right and and that is where it stayed and hopefully nobody needed their brain um which obviously never happened because people get sick and they go on vacation and it became really apparent that the customer data even outside of the policy data right was mm. really valuable to us as an agency and i went on sort of a mission to figure out how you're going to capture all that data um considering mm. that ams you know typically and especially back then really didn't have data fields or data sets around mm. customer buying habits or personal information or relationship information. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of it was done on spreadsheets um, mm -hmm. and then, you know, went out into the wide world and said, okay, well, to solve some of this problem, we need a CRM. Mm -hmm. And then I dived into the HubSpots and the Salesforce and, and really got into to that and kind of got sucked into the Salesforce <laughs> ecosystem, <laughs> right? World. Like, yep. so which I think a lot of a lot of people did. I think about yeah. five, five, six years ago, it yeah. really came on the scene and it was going to sort of be the panacea and solve everybody's issues. But yeah. um, I think we've we figured out quickly that it was still software and it was still something that needed to be managed and build and it wasn't sort of open it up and let it rip and it was going to work great from day one. So um, we threw ourselves into that and um, yeah, quickly realized that it was a whole new world of software had opened <laughs> once we invested in that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to ask, when you're doing the spreadsheets and keeping up the relationship management there, with your team involved in that, was that something they bought in pretty quickly on, or did you have to sell them on that? And what was that change management like? Oh, man, it was brutal. Um, 
So, and it was really weird because we had the same divide that I think a lot of agencies had. We had really senior tenured agents who were like, this is how they do their job and they're, this is it. Like I write it on my paper and I don't even want to look at your software. Don't, don't even try it. And then we had ones that were coming in and they were really eager to use the tools because they didn't want to work extra hours, right? Like they were trying to be super fast and efficient. Mm -hmm. Plus I feel like they were using some of the software capabilities in their outside life. So, you know, whereas maybe some of the more senior tenured agents weren't still weren't shopping on Amazon, they certainly weren't streaming on Netflix at that time. So it was an easier transition. Um, but yeah, it was it was brutal. We had a lot of sort of come to Jesus moments, <laughs> <laughs> you know, on adoption. I think a lot of people have that same yeah. that oh, same yeah. journey. Oh, yeah. 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 Change management yeah. in agencies is not for the faint of heart. So well, no one talks about it. Yeah. Like we, like you yeah. hear, like when you get onto the tech side, mm -hmm. change management, digital transformation, there's, you know, you hire Deloitte and PwC and you have these big, you know, plans, these year long spans of mm -hmm. plans mm -hmm. when you get into the, onto the tech side, but mm -hmm. you know, the, for the normal size brokerage or agency, they've never even heard the word change management. Right. Like that's not even in their purview. Right. And so right. I think they ha are at a disadvantage from day one because they walk in and they, I think the ex expectation is you get a software, you turn the software on, you log into the software and the software just goes. Right. And um, there's just, it's wildly inaccurate. There's so much more that goes into that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, let me let me rewind for a sec out of the change management conversation because yeah. that's <laughs> probably a podcast in and of itself right. that it we, could, yeah. we could probably go down a ton of rabbit holes on. And we should at some point because you probably have a ton of knowledge. Actually, we should do that. We should have Margo back on and talk about change management. Okay, so. Yeah, noted. Yes, check. <laughs> yeah. So customer data versus policy data. Yeah, the debate. Let's, yeah, let's spend some time on that because I think Agents, a lot of agencies would probably say, well, my AMS has customer data. Yeah. So Margo, what are you talking about? Or, or you haven't seen yeah. my AMS, right? Um, what <laughs> my filing you, cabinet, my yeah. glorified filing cabinet. Yeah. What, what do you mean when you make that very clear line in the sand between customer data and policy data? So for me, it's when I think about, cause I was on a prevalent AMS for eight years and I, and I managed and I was the administrator for it. Mm -hmm. So when I thought prior to this, when I thought about customer data, it was like, you think primary contact, right? Like mm -hmm. the custom, the person's information, it's like email, phone number, maybe some like ancillary work email and some, some addresses. And that is what most people think about customer data. Right. And what we kind of shifted towards when we started building out the tech for OIG for the agencies mm -hmm. was that's great, but a person is more than phone number one, phone number two, email or physical Amen. address, mailing address. Preach. Amen. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. So like what, what other ancillary data do we need to actually make the connection and not just to a policy, but to like the process of getting to a policy, because there's all kinds of other data that you want to collect. Mm -hmm. And I call them um, personas, right? Like humans mm -hmm. have personas. And, um, and if you think about, it, I always use myself because of course I'm like the most complicated being like, I can't just do anything straightforward. So <laughs> in my old AMS, I was listed as a driver on my husband's policy. So if like I called in to the agency mm. and my little name popped up on the VoIP 
it when all it would show is Margot, you know, driver to policy X, and that policy had a, a value of ten thousand, you know, premium or something like that. It was a very low. It was a personal auto policy. Right. Right. And so, that is the only context that anybody at that agency had as of, of me as a person. Right. What they weren't seeing at that time was, you know, I'm the CEO of this company. Mm. I at that time yeah. we were investing mm. in. Um, rental properties. I had two or three rental properties that we were working towards for Airbnb. Um, you know, I sat on the all board of which of are insurable opportunities for uh-huh. those They're listening. All, yeah, and not even yes. like not even insurable opportunities. But I was having this conversation this morning here at um, at Amplify Broker Tech Fest, mm-hmm. which is when you get into like email marketing and you're talking about targeting campaigns. Right now, we're seeing like the most successful email campaigns are just highly, highly personalized. Like mm-hmm. this, like mm-hmm. template approach to email is not working. So, how do I target Margot if the only information I have about her is that she's a driver on some policy? Maybe I have her car, and maybe I can glean some information from that. But if I don't have a place to register Margot's personas, which are technically like relationships, which, by the way, that's CRM. Mm. customer relationship management mm-hmm. and that's 100%. literally what it stands yeah. for mm-hmm. um if like how do i represent all of margo's hats or personas that she and how she's related to all these other entities which by the way are also insurable mm-hmm. but they also can predict risk mm-hmm. i mean like going further down just from brokers if you're talking about how, what a carrier might understand like why do carriers want to see a broker crm well i mean all of those activities everything i do creates a risk profile for me not just on what i want to buy but also how insurable i am and so i think there's this massive chasm of missing data about the people that are interacting with us to to buy insurance and i think if we don't fix that there's gonna somebody's gonna fix it yep and the brokerages that really embrace that and start to truly understand their clients they're gonna get that sticky clients that don't leave over a twenty dollar premium increase, and that's what everybody is. Ha- it's what's happening in the hard market. Yes. So it's it's critical, yes. I think, right now. But yeah. I think also yeah. the other part of that is your persona hangs out with other people within your persona. Exactly. And that also helps yeah. within that kind of marketing as well. So what we found is it helped us. We ended up developing a niche. So when we, even though we were still doing it on Excel and and handwritten, because at the time we didn't have a place for it. We ended up identifying that we had this weird niche in, in telecom. So we had done like a we had like a, a couple people that had come in through construction because we were construction heavy um, agency, and we realized that we had like three or four of these guys that did um, like pole work, like in ground cable installation, directional drilling, and we kind of called them up and said, "Hey, what are you guys doing? Like, mm-hmm. how do you get like where do you work? Who do you work for? Like, mm-hmm. can we help you mitigate some of your risk?" And just by doing that one thing, we were able to identify we had this like huge we called the everlasting gobstopper, it's what we called the agency because <laughs> it ended up being a lead source for us that made millions of dollars and we mm-hmm. would never have been able to find that group of people like you're talking about like understanding their profile and where they worked and making those connections, like, oh, we actually have an opportunity here without mm-hmm. doing that. There's no way we would, ever mm-hmm. would have figured it out. And we ended up becoming so specialized that working through the process of becoming an, an MGA just for mm-hmm. that particular piece of business. Wow. Um, so it was critical for us, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I moved out of a rental situation into a home ownership situation, and I remember thinking like, why doesn't my insurance agent know that I'm on Zillow and I'm on realtor.com yeah. 
all and day like a psycho right? yeah because we were a hundred percent and you know i mean at some point right there's a relationship that insurance agents often make with the realtors and the mortgage lenders and all that kind of stuff right but did my insurance agent know when i specifically started to go from a rental situation into a home ownership situation and why yeah. why wasn't i getting that like you know white glove service where it's like hey we we know that and you know i was about the age too where i was looking into it right it you were the demographic makes... yes yeah. yep yes yeah. so have you thought about or even predictive like have you thought about like we know you're renting yes you have a renter's policy with yes. us and you're you know we think that it you know are you looking for a home it's a good time to buy can yes. we help you like that or yeah even if you knew the contract when does your apartment contract run out you know did you sign a yeah. one year a two year if you knew those kind of things yep. it'd be easy to keep up with hey your apartment comes up 100%. in two months. Have you started looking or have you been looking? See, yes. but that data, that data is buried in an accord form. Right. So like, right. you know what I like you, that right. we probably have that data sure. somewhere. It's just not in a database that we can report on. So it's probably yeah. hitting and sitting in an application or some random place that's not been digitized. Yeah. Um, which well, is crazy. It is crazy. And I guess I think there's, you know, part one to this conversation, which is, okay, your team is going to be collecting information about your customer at any given moment, mm -hmm. when they're on the phone or through a cord apps or whatever it might be. There's also a wealth of information out there about what your customer is doing that other people are tracking, right? So Jernia yeah. is a company that can tell you when your client is on yep. competitor websites, for example. Yeah. Um, but we have no, even if we wanted to today, right? Even even though Jernia exists, this is the craziest part about this whole situation. Even though they exist, they're at insurance conferences, right? They're even integrated with some insure techs I know. The question is like, is an insurance agent ready to ingest that type of data into their processes, right? right. Do, do they, are they- It's usually no. <laughs> Spoiler right. alert. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, fair, fair. So like, fair. yeah, so I, I just, you know, part of I, it's funny because if you go on Google Trends and you compare agency management system, that's so what Google Trends does for those who don't know is you can put in keywords and it will show you trend data. It'll show you how many people you can limit it to certain countries. You can limit it to certain you know, states, certain zip codes, right? And so you can see in the US, for example, between uh, 2015 or 2003 and 2023, over the last 20 years, right? How, how many people were searching agency management system? And then how many people were yeah. searching CRM? Mm -hmm. And then how many, uh, and you can dial in and say, you know, I wanna look at just the insurance agent space, right? And then how many are searching agency management system versus customer relationship management system or AMS versus CRM. Yeah. And it's insane. The literally the line. And for those of you guys who are listening to the podcast, imagine I'm drawing a hockey stick that just like mm -hmm. keeps going. <laughs> right. right. Um, yep. Because it's, it's just a debate right now. People don't understand what is the difference between these two uh, systems. And so like, yeah. we're still trying to conceptually figure it out. Meanwhile, 
you know, Amazon can get me packages in 24 hours and my fridge tells me what my, you know. And your fridge tells you you're missing milk. It's like, you need yeah. milk. I'm like, and, you are intrusive. For right. You are intrusive. And then Amazon, which owns Whole Foods, is like, hey, do you want me to deliver that for $52 without you even having yeah. to think about it? And I'm like, oh, you know what? Maybe. I kind of do want you to do that. No, <laughs> no, Sid. No, I don't want you to do that. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, so how... Or even more, going back to that, people even confuse the two. They think they do the exact same thing. You know, you talk about they don't yes. know which one to get. Yes. A lot they of them say, the yeah, like I already have that in my AMS. I already have that in my CRM. And they're two totally yeah. different situ situations. And people just get them confused. Or they think they already have one or the other. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so that goes back to, I think, if you look, like, historically, you, we started with, and I do call it AMS and BMS because I'm going to call it BMS because I'm here in Canada and that's uh, what they call it up here, a yep, broker yep, management yep. system. Oh, yep. okay. Um, yeah, they do. And I'm like, so many acronyms. I already have like a thousand <laughs> in my brain for right. insurance. I'm going to learn some new ones. Um, but I think historically, they really were treated like more of a, a filing cabinet, yeah. like for lack of a better you know term. A digital filing it really cabinet. Was, it was a digital file. It was just a place to house a policy and its status and maybe it's premium and then you know eventually moved into service so things like you know accounting like can i you know can i do my general ledger and stuff and it kind of it kind of kept growing this direction into the service because there is mm -hmm. so much that we need to do as agents that mm -hmm. i think also gets overlooked mm -hmm. on the service side mm -hmm. that it's almost and then you know at the same time you have like full crm systems like hubspot and salesforce mm -hmm. that are coming on the scene and there's a million there's pipe drive there's a million other ones that oh yeah zoho whatever it is and so they were working sort of this direction. And then you have this weird gap in between. Mm -hmm. And insurance is just really one of those industries that is poorly served by the gap because mm -hmm. we have renewal. So because we're, we have ongoing oh, yeah, 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 process. Yeah. So like, yes. you know, if you're e-commerce, so like yeah. if I go on your website and I'm in you're tracking all of my customer stuff and then I buy a shirt from you, like, I'm not going to buy that same shirt from you over and over again every year. So, right. you know, they're building systems for, for that sort of one-time use transactional um, commerce. And we're not like that. And so people don't realize that insurance is cyclical. It's not linear. And I think we've talked about this too. Like, there are some industries that are linear and then there's some that are cyclical. And if you do not have a tightly, I mean, like, tightly coupled CRM to AMS, right and mm -hmm. you're not tracking that all the way through its life cycle then you're losing half it you're just you're half your data's over here half's over here and so what people have to do is they build a data lake or they try to mm -hmm. they put some yeah. crazy analytics like a power bi or tableau and they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars just to aggregate it back again mm -hmm. and then run some kind of analytics so they can try and see what the customer life cycle really was and i've been a part of many of those builds i've built those integrations i've run those analytics and even in the best of scenarios, they're not, mm -hmm. they're not the same as having that, as having the data set in a single big data warehouse that you're running this analytics off of in one place. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. 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 So talk to me about like it, let, let's take it. So people think of these as two different systems, right? Oh, okay. I have an AMS. Yeah. Okay, I have a serum. Let, let's just talk about functionality. Right. So, so here we have this group, this, this category of functionality we call the agency management system, you know, policy data, servicing, and then you have uh, C this category of CRM and customer data right. and the customer life cycle and it's, it's cyclical, not linear. So in your brain, like 
do these things become one in right and and here's why i ask yeah and here's 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 why i ask because um so catalyst did a study in 2000 in, in 2022 they said, you know what, on average we're seeing, and there were about 400 agencies, so we know you know, there's 40,000 agencies out there. This is a very small segment of them. But the study showed that the, of, of those that they surveyed, on average, six different solutions, technology solutions, right? Oh, yeah. to 2023, yeah. eight, eight different. And I'm curious what 2024 is gonna be. Are we gonna plateau here? Are we gonna, right? And so even like at Vertifor, we, have a, we hear about a lot of people who are looking for that all-in-one, right? Yeah. Looking for that, hey, I just wanted to do, I just need it all to work together, right? And that's kind of where yeah. we're going with, with Agency One and whatnot. But like, how do you think about the, the function from a functionality standpoint? Like, is there a world where it just becomes like AMS 2.0? Does AMS yeah. go away and CRM becomes the thing? Or maybe Does, we call it BMS like they do. Yeah, we do just, we just, do we go Canada? <laughs> we call it BMS. And then yeah. say A at the style? end? Like, I think we go Canada style. We just call it BMS and we just reinvent it all. And then they call it AMS. We just, be we're just rebranding it. We're going to yeah. rebrand it. Yeah. Right. Well, I think we're already seeing in the market um, the, the resonation of the CRM and AMS in one place. So I think that mm-hmm. that we're already seeing some of these pop up in that in that general direction. So I mm-hmm. my opinion is personally moving forward, we'll have a system that does that one sort of platform. Mm-hmm. I don't, however, subscribe to the idea that one software can do all of the things mm-hmm. at all the time, right? Preach, because preach, there is preach. a point of diminishing return where agree. your software gets yep. so large that it's unmanageable, and then you're then you're talking about how do you work in agile and, and you know, how do you turn the titanic around it's you you can't um mm-hmm. and so i don't believe that the systems of the future will own all workflows across mm-hmm. all things i think that we'll end up seeing things like you know the like the customer makes perfect sense that it's integrated back in like this customer the the habits the buying habits that that directly correlates to a product that's being sold and then we can see that life cycle that to me makes perfect sense but if you talk about like ancillary things that you know we're seeing come to the marketplace i call them point point solutions so mm-hmm. insurtechs that provide these very specific add-on yeah, added yeah. values right yep. and and i don't think there's ever going to be a company that's going to own that like end to end and i see those being the future being you have the arc I call it the arc, right? You have like the place where you have a system of truth. This is where our data lives. We've got the data we're ne- we need to collect, whether it's customer data, policy data, risk data, it lives here. Mm-hmm. And then we can do things like layer on a generative AI that we're not proprietarily building, right? Or a really cool analytics function or yep. some type of, I mean, there's a million, uh, an application or a web plugin for my agency website. Like all of those things make perfect sense that they would live in tightly API, hopefully based connections, or even maybe in the future, not even API, something even faster and, and better. That, but that there's, that it's so big and so much that we're not seeing another like monopoly conglomerate that can't really keep right. up with market demands. I see yeah. it kind of like uh, my Hulu ESPN Disney bundle. You know, you can get them all bundled. So maybe you have three or four different technologies do different things and you can bundle them together and have them together. But I love that you brought up the Titanic and you talked about like, how do you turn around the Titanic? But I think, like you said, it could be a fleet of speedboats instead, you know, instead of having that one big. I think that's why Mm -hmm. 
for us, Agency Zoom was such a sexy product for us. Can I say sexy on the show? I just did. But you um, can say it. You just that did. way, because Agency <laughs> Zoom is a speedboat and it's able to move, and you know we've got our other products, what sixteen things that we sell here, but they're just a fleet of speedboats instead of trying to be one yeah. big Titanic, as you mentioned, because we all know what happened there. Yeah, yeah. And the, but the key is that it ha- they all have to. Like everybody has to agree that that's the way that we're going to move forward. Like there's still like there still needs brokers still need to understand that they have the power. One, mm-hmm. they have the power because mm-hmm. they have the data. And mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think any broker I've ever spoken to truly understands the power they wield if they were collecting this data. Like collectively as a group, we could track carrier appetite before carriers could track carrier appetite. Right? Mm-hmm. Like. Like we have, we have so much data amongst, especially on the independent side, we're dealing, I mean, our agency, we've got like 140 appointments between all our agencies, regionals, MGAs, but think about, I have response, I could track response times on all of those things. Mm-hmm. I can track how well they service, what their, what their claims process is mm-hmm. like, are they paying claims? And then I can use all of that data to, to direct my clients to the best place. And I don't think brokers really understand how much they hold if they were to sort of all agree that collecting data is worth the extra 10 minutes right it, and it's worth the uh, us first adopters us agents and brokers that are like okay we're going to do this even though we know it's going to be hard we're going to make this change like if if they could come together and come to a general consensus then we could dictate how those speedboats work and it, and and how they work with each other and who they work with mm-hmm. and i think that that's really critical moving forward that brokers they kind of need to unify around a voice mm-hmm. and and say like no we're not we're not gonna do this that we've been doing previously because it's not in our benefit anymore yeah 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 what um how how do you get to that world i guess right like when you, this is like you hard know, work fu- <laughs> yes right yeah future state right but like what what yeah. does that look like for a broker today like how how do they start walking down that Going path? Out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, one of it, one of them, one of my big ones is becoming literate. Like understanding that that tech vetting, right? Like going through the process of like there's some work that they have to do. They have to educate themselves, and they have to be willing to listen, and they have to be willing to try new things. Which oh my god, how risk adverse are we as just yeah. like a, a <laughs> as an I industry? I know it's yeah. like it. I hear it a lot. It's like, if it's not, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I'm like, yeah, but it's like super broken. Like you're <laughs> real broken. Like, do you know what I'm saying? It's not like everything's peaches and roses and now yeah. you, you want to level up. It's like, you can't, you can't get a COI out in more than 36 hours. That's a problem. Like, right. you know what I mean? That, that That's broken in 2023. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. one, they have to, we have to identify the early adopters and, and Simon Sinek, I love this, um, I love this quote that he did. He talks about, and I can't remember if it's, now I'm going to blank on it. It's like the law of diffusion or something where he talks about the bell curve and he talks about how inside a company, how adoption sort of, how they roll adoption out, what's most successful. And it's identifying those people that are willing to put the work in early and you you get them bought in and then they lead the way and they kick that bell curve up. And then, you know, those like, so trying to appease in any change management situation in any company of any size, trying to appease those like late adopters, the ones that will only change if they are forced to change in the beginning of a change management process is not a good strategy. 
you have to find the people within your company that are interested in learning. They want to be educated. They have like an innate inertia around them. They want to learn how to use technology and you champion those people internally to help you with that vetting and with that adoption. And then over time you bring in, you know, it's a slow process. Then you bring in, once you found something you guys all rally around, then you bring in the bigger part of the bell curve, you know, and then they get bought in. And then finally at the end, you like drag along that, <laughs> that you know, that agent that just doesn't want to change. But at that point, they're so bought in and invested. Yeah. That's a, you know, you have a positive change process, but it all starts with, you know, identifying those personalities within the agency itself. And mm-hmm. then you have to champion those people. You have to give them time in their day. You have to give them resources in their day to help them get to that point. And I think that's probably the most critical right. thing they can do is like a step one. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I I mean, like, let's be honest too, right? Anytime you introduce the concept of change, it's not going to be easy. It's scary. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah, It's scary. And there's going to be a little bit of work involved, but you know, I think you have to ask yourself as an agent, you know, why am I in this business? Why am I, why am I an owner? instead of a producer? Why am I an owner instead of a service person, right? And and part of your answer could be, well, I looked into it because I was born into it. Or part of it could be I was in the right place at the right time. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's it really is that the only way that the model survives is if the people who are within the model continue to push and innovate. Right. And so you, you have to I just say that, and I know it's, I, I probably sound like a broken record to some, Preach it. right? But like, <laughs> yeah. you, you just, you, you, it has to be said, um, you know, change isn't easy, but it's, it's necessary. Uh, well, and I look at like, so okay. we talked to a couple, um, you know, cause I did a lot of market research myself and, and I'm, and I'm the biggest question we always get is like, these agents are never going to change. Like they don't care. They're just not going to change. And I think a lot of it comes around the fact that you know, if you look at the demographic, it typically skews a little bit older, especially the ones that are at this point that are owners. So I'm looking at like the ownership, you know, makeup mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, they've worked 20, 30 years. This has worked for them. Like it, like they have 30 years of experience backing up their, you know, aversion to technology. They built a huge business without that worked mm-hmm. until about two years ago. And until we started to start to see things like AI, and I and I hate saying AI because it's always like AI, AI all, all the time. But whereas you know, like previously, it was like, oh, you got a new customer portal. Okay, then we, we might see sales jump twenty percent. That was a really great implementation of a customer portal, right? Or we put an online form on our website, and now we're getting a lot of leads, and we're doing a lot of uh, Google ads or Facebook ads, and it's funneling mm-hmm. to this, and that's working. 20 percent 30 percent increase mm-hmm. when you talk about the effects of ai it's not going to be 20 percent 30 percent it's going to be thousands of percent right so you're training a workforce that's basically infinity large to go out and tackle a market and so the ones that are sitting there and maybe they're 10 years from retirement 15 years you know they're they're comfy but i caution those people i'm like let me tell you something if you think that you're going to compete against the agency down the street in 10 years with pen and paper, you won't be here. And those companies are not going to come offer you a great M&A buyout. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're just going to steal your customers. Mm-hmm. They're going to put them on robocalls and they're going to okay. take them without paying Ooh. for it. So you built, no. you built, it's true that you built 20 year nest egg and you think it's safe yeah. and it's not safe. Mm-hmm. So it's not safe anymore. Mm-hmm. Where I was about to say before you said that was, 
you know, we've been saying this, or I've been saying this for probably eight to 10 years now. If you don't start adopting some of these things, you're going to get left behind. But I know of right. agencies right now that don't have a management system. They don't have a CRM. They still work off of filing cabinets. And yeah. I'm like, totally proving I my theory wrong. And then you come out strong with that statement of 10 years from now, you won't be. But what, where, where in that point in time do we finally start seeing them left behind? Because right now they're still able to survive in this place. Like my father, 80 years old, still yeah. selling insurance, doesn't even have a computer. <laughs> I mean, he comes to my office and uses mine. I mean, like, I still type emails for my father. He's 80 years old to this day, still yeah. selling insurance. And I'm binding policies. Well, my mom isn't 80. You know. she, but still, when do we leave him behind? Is, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so my mom is not she's not eighty, but she's six. She would kill me. She's in her sixties. She's in her fifties, right, mom? Um, and she works at our <laughs> right. agency. <laughs> right, mom. And she's our she's our commercial manager, right? And I, I it's the same thing. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, okay, but now I'm watching, you know, the speed in which some of these things are being requested. A lot of it with the hard market too, like what's being requested of us as agents, the hoops that we're having to jump through. It's not just, okay, I'm going to go to the, I'm not going to, I'm just going to go to nationwide portal and type and type it in and get my quote because that's what I've been doing for five years. Good luck. You mm -hmm. can't do that. Now those markets are closing. The, the restrictions are getting tighter. The documentation that you need to bind these policies is getting more and more intense and all the things that you need to provide. And so I, I think in the last, like I said, two years, we've started to see this strain where someone that's like my mom, that's, that is same thing, likes to use her pen and paper and she's really good at it, mm -hmm. is starting to really struggle as far as managing those types of, of policies that she's writing. And, well, and this is on the commercial yeah. side. And well. I also think as yeah. the buyers get younger, I think that's gonna help it a lot too. With the, yeah. As you said, the yeah. white hairs that are selling now and the, the older demographic that's selling now, yeah. the experienced agents, <clears throat> they attract more experienced customers. So I think I, once we get correct. younger, yeah. that's going to help some of that. I, I was just interested in your thoughts on that as you were talking down that road. Yeah. I yeah. think it's death, it's death by a thousand paper cuts too. Sure. Right. It's yeah. exactly so, what it is. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. it's not, and that's why it's so hard to see it and say like, well, these guys don't have an agency management system today. So therefore, you know, they're, they're making it work. Um, I don't know. I still see people walking around with wired headphones, and right? I wonder, like, how that. I used some on the plane today. Come yeah. on now. What? <laughs> what? What is this? Well, what? these are necessary wires. These I are hear legit. You. I hear headphones. you. Those are needed. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we can't rule out M and A either. So, like, you know, true, we can't true. really talk about is it really successful though? Because I know personally, uh, you know, private equity firms like big ones that are coming in into the U.S. market, even from other countries, and they're just gobbling those guys up mm, and they mm -hmm. and, and they're buying them and they're not letting them stay on pen and paper. They're they're getting them on an AMS. Right. They're yeah. putting them. They have to digitize it. You're you know, you're a PE firm and you've got one hundred and fifty agencies. You can't you can't run a successful business. One, if they're all on multiple systems and two, if half of it's in a filing cabinet, you know, in a storage room. So right, right. while it, it seems like, well, that agency is flourishing now, if you look overall at the trend, those agencies are being gobbled up like nobody's business. Yeah. And they're not allowed to stay on pen and paper right. when yeah. they get gobbled up like yeah. that. Yeah. Actually, you know, there's at Vertifor, we provide the te software technology for like 98 out of the 98% of the top 100 brokers. So I hear right. a lot about strategically what's going on there and what the movements and trends most of them right now are focused on how to not be operationally blind 
in a world where they have a a lot of these big brokers have sort of let independent their their independent agent members be truly independent which i think from a from a from a strategic standpoint makes sense right because then everybody sort of has their own uh, their own way of doing things and so there's sort of a you know it, it sort of works right yeah. but but at the same time how how do i see from headquarters which agencies are struggling so i know how to help them you can't how do i you see can't. yeah how do i see yeah. so so i've got to make sure that as and and the thing is like they all know each other's doing it so now it's kind yeah. of a race to see who can do it yeah. first because whoever figures mm-hmm. out the best model is going to right. you know hit that moment of scale. Love what you heard? Listen, don't stop here. We know you don't want to. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or YouTube if you love watching and get notified as soon as new episodes come out weekly. Let's go.